Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, welcome to the Unbridled Life. Hey, this is going to be a really cool, fun day for me. This is my brother from another mother. If I take my hat off, I'm going to look like him, except he's 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 gone grayer quicker than me, um, but he looks prettier than me. This is Toby Slough. And I, Toby, welcome to the Unbridled Life podcast. Man, I have been looking forward to this, Mark. I could not wait to be with you. Uh, just, man, you, you are a brother from another mother, and I think this is going to be fun. So let me tell you a little bit about Toby, and I think most people will know Toby. Toby was the senior pastor of Cross Timbers, successfully passed on the legacy to a, a young man that's pastoring and doing really well. So they call him the legacy pastor of Cross Timbers. Um, but he started a global ministry, and I want him to talk to you about this. This is one of the best communicators. The first time I met him and we became friends, I was working with James Robinson. I said, James, you're an incredible communicator in this vein. I want you to come and listen to this cat talk. And we were right in the middle of the service. You know, James, he, did, he didn't care who's around. What was talking. He leans over me and he goes, oh my gosh, this guy's got a gift like he's talking to everyone in this room like he's sitting in their living room. But Toby has this communication gift, this real gift, but he also had an anchor that hurt, a thorn in the flesh, if you will. And we've really related on that, so we're going to dive in that. But tell us first about the global ministry, what you're doing, and we'll just dive off. Yeah, we're, we're traveling the country uh, talking about mental wellness, specifically uh, trying to equip parents with practical ways that they can connect God's power to their kids' battle with anxiety, depression, feeling overwhelmed by life. And uh, in a nutshell, that's what we do. We help Obviously, we help. I do stuff with young adults and students and on college campuses and businessmen. But predominantly what we do is we travel into cities and working through local churches, try to give people an answer beyond a weighted blanket and, you know, a fidget spinner, <laughs> which is the only thing out there for their kids who are struggling, man. Right, right. Or get them to the... Uh, I hate to say this the way I'm going to say it, but the witch doctor prayer person. And that we're going yeah. to say it hard enough, long enough, slap it up with the wool. And there are times and seasons when, and I've come to this, sometimes I'm going to come up and or be with people that I'm not going to get understanding. But I think in that time we get to exercise trust, empathy, and compassion. And the way to, yep. so Toby, you wrote a book uh, called Toby the Gobi. Uh, can you walk us like, I know your journey so well, I want to get out of the way of this. But can you kind of tell us what brought you to this journey? You're 60. I'm 55. I think we met 20-plus years ago. I became fast friend. But a lot of it was the connection through anxiety and depression. Yeah. The thing is most people that aren't our age do not understand that 30 years ago, most of us had never heard the word depression, anxiety. We didn't know anybody that seen a counselor. Yep. I looked for a Christian counselor in the phone book. Some of you guys that are watching, listening, that's a thing. They don't even know what a free internet is. Yeah. Put it up on the front porch back then. There were five in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex phone book. Five. Think about that. The only word I knew was the word nervous breakdown. It kind of whispered in my family. I had a great uncle. They said he had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) And that he'd gotten naked and walked down the middle of town telling everybody he was Jesus. 
And seriously. And so that's my picture of mental health. And so I'm pastoring a church, not cross timbers in the South Lake area. It's quintupled in growth. My great kids, a great wife. And when I I sat up and started, like I was breathing heavy and I was sweating. My hands were shaking and it was getting worse. Mm. And so people go, oh, he's having a panic attack. Yeah, but I didn't know that. I didn't know what that was. I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I, I got up and started walking the hall of my house, which is really stupid when you think about it. But a man, you know, will just walk it off. Yeah. And I, w- I walked until I couldn't walk anymore. And I'd lay down in my living room because I didn't want my wife to know because I didn't know what was going on. And I would pray. And I'd put on an old eight-track cassette or something, Mercy Came A-Running by Phillips Curry Dean, you know, and beg God to do something. And it get it would just come back. And I, I did it for 17 days. You know, becoming convinced it was my fault. And had no paradigm for it. And on day 17, I decided, look, man, you're the pastor of a church. If they find out, you're going to lose your job. If your wife finds out, she's going to leave you. That's Mm -hmm. what isolation does, Mark, is that voice, that little voice gets louder. And if you consider a negative possibility long enough, it becomes in your heart a reality. Mm -hmm. And so I said, the only way out of this is I, I, I... Drove down I-35 toward Fort Worth in my little truck. At 75, I was going to hit a bridge. And just no one would know I would do it. I, I was convinced the world would be better off without me. Get it. And if God hadn't given me a picture of my wife telling my little seven-year-old that dad wasn't coming home, I would have done it. But I swerved, and it scared me. And I did the thing that nobody wants to do. I told the truth to my, one person about where I was, not where I wanted to be. And that started me on this now almost 30-year journey. So was that just a friend that you finally just, was that Micah? My wife. Micah. It was Micah. And it was the hardest. I stood there with my hand on that door to that room. I don't know. It felt like an hour. I'm sure it was a minute. But I couldn't make myself open the door. I was going to have to tell somebody the truth. And I I was going to receive Mark, I... I was convinced that if I was fully known, I couldn't be fully loved, right? That's all of us. The problem is, until you're fully known, you can't be fully loved. That's the gospel. And when she said to me that day, I don't care what you're going through. You and I are going to get through this together. I love you. I believe in you. It was the first time I remember experiencing unconditional love Mm -hmm. in my life. And so we started this journey. Uh, went to cr- see a Christian counselor, the whole thing. And it was and so got fixed in about 30 days, you were done. And yeah. Right? Yeah, that's kind of what I told him. I said, hey, man, I, you know, I, I'll give you a month and we'll, we'll fix this thing. And, you know, bless that guy's heart. He was so uh, patient with me for about the first session. After that, he he got in my lunch kit pretty good, which I needed. But I was convinced that, you know, I was going to learn some principles and I was going to be through with it. And it wasn't until I really, so much of this, I just was, I was on a self-discovery journey. You know, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm reading the gospels and I finally figure out, Hey man, like you're, you're targeting the wrong thing. You, you want to never have anxiety again. And like, I wanted a miraculous healing. I believe in it. I've watched it happen in so many people's lives. God's used me to help people get it. 
But when I finally figured out that Jesus was offering freedom, which isn't the absence of something, it was his presence and power in the middle of something. Shout out Bob Hamp. Yeah, Bob Hamp, who coined that term. I think got it from Abraham Lincoln or something. I don't know. But great. But freedom, and I I quit worrying about whether or not I was going to have anxiety and instead said, hey, man, I want to find God's power and presence in the middle of anxiety. That's when my life started changing. And I would go through seasons then. I mean, I'm pastoring this church, and I would go through seasons of believing I'm going to travel the world and tell everybody how to get fixed to seasons of, hey, baby, I'm I'm – like I'm going to quit and sell used cars or something. <laughs> I get it because because the church deserves someone stronger than me. Better. The problem was everywhere I went, I was going to be there, and mm-hmm. you know I was going to take that with me. And so I learned, I've learned so much about it. I want people to see the debilitation of this. I remember, you know, it's in our All in Life book. When it happened to me, you described it well. I had a heart attack. I was an elder. I ran. I've told that story on an episode. Mm-hmm. But basically, I could no longer pull it up by my bootstraps. I could not get my crap together. I could right. not muster it up, and I was debilitated. And it felt like I was in a a, gla- a glass dome naked, and everyone could see me, and, and it was all hanging out and just like, yep. oh, my God. For you, tell us about some of the moments. I want people to really smile because this isn't a this is a pastor that's very successful, great communicator, great connector, very successful in in just writing, preaching, teaching, building multi sites. So this wasn't run on by failure or the lack of or the the pressure. I don't even want to call it the pressure of success. It it was something that was happening to him. I want them to understand how bad did it get for you? Were there times in your life that you just, you couldn't even show up? Yeah, there. I was non-functional at times. I, I remember driving. It was five minutes. About to be less than five minutes from my home to where I was pastoring there in Southlake. I would pull over in the side of the road and throw up. Right. And people would come up to me and say, man, you're looking good. Are you working out? And I wanted to go, no, I've, I've been throwing up. Yeah, but I would get to the church. There's, we we're gonna have two services. I would lay my head on the desk and just cry. And Micah would come in the back door, lay her hands on me, pray for me. And so, you know, God, it was manna, man. It was my first experience with the manna principle of God is going to give you enough for that day. And a lot of times, it was just, it was just, it was the beauty and just the the gut-wrenching pain of one day at a time and disappointed in God and <laughs> really are you real if you re- why are you why are you letting this happen to me to man I can't do this without you and I just you know almost everywhere I go I say this I say look man my name is Toby I'm 60 years old I love Jesus with all my heart you know I ask him to fill me with the spirit every day we try, Mike and I try to, we talk about it. What does it mean for us to walk by faith in this season? We're not perfect, man, but we want it. <laughs> and I I have an anxiety and pain disorder. And the church people don't know what to do with me. Because the pray this away, get delivered away, 
just read your Bible more. Just trust God more. Just get full of God and come in here. Like it was none of that stuff worked for me in that season, but I figured out that his grace was sufficient and that his power was going to show up in my, not my A game, man. He, he, like he showed up in my CDF game. And it, it, sh- it shaped me so much when I met you and you introduced, you know, James came in. I remember that Sunday and then we went on the show and all of a sudden I'm the anxiety guy. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I want to be the blessed life guy. I don't want to be the anxiety guy. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. We don't get to pick our lanes, do we? No. And, and, and I fought it for so long. Now, looking back at it, I think, man, God. Like, I'm not grateful for it, Mark. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, that's religious cliche. But I can give thanks for it because I'm not sure who I'd have been. That type A hard driving, that God has achievement, that God has put in me. I just don't think I'd have paid attention to people. And I wouldn't have the empathy that I have Mm -hmm. for folks who've hurt. And I wouldn't, you know, I speak in so many places a month. And... I'm always, I always teary-eyed, and it's because I feel people's pain. Like, I I know where they've been, and I know the frustration of those sleepless nights. It was tough, man, and there are seasons now. I had in, I'm in Mississippi. I'm at my, at my I have a little second house in Mississippi next to my daughter because I'm, I'm allergic to futons, and I love my grandkids. That's so right. I just bought a house next door. <laughs> But I had a panic attack here, I don't know, six or eight, seven months ago. Just woke up, and I don't panic about panicking anymore. And Micah said the next she waited, just like sweet wives do, and she said, how can I pray for you? And I said, baby, we've been doing this 30 years. You know how to pray for me. And she's praying for me, and I just go back to the things in my life that connect me to God's power. It's just, it's a positive, like, trigger. It's a, hey, man, get back to these disciplines and, and the way that you know that I have shaped you. His grace is sufficient, man. I, like, I don't need him to heal me for me to believe he's real. I am a miracle. You are. And I'm still, I'm a miracle, man. Like, the Toby you knew when we first met, that two struggling, you know, our pain brought us together yeah. at some level. And, and and what God has given me to do in spite of and what he's allowing us to do in this season, it's a miracle, man. It, I just don't get to pick the package that the miracle comes in. I, I wanted a different kind of miracle. And God said, no, I'm going to give you this one. Dumb. And so I, I'm, I think I told you this before we began. Like, I know I'm in the fourth quarter. My birthday's last week. I'm just holding up four fingers going, okay, it's fourth quarter. I'll take some overtime if you want to give it to me, but I get it's the fourth. I just, I want to be Alabama. You know, I want to finish stronger than I started. I think this is my best season ever. I did too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I thought I'd never be happy again, Mark. I know you felt that. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it's like, I'm happy. I, I, I battle anxiety and panic from time to time. I cry like a little girl at recess. Me too. On regular occasion, but I'm happy. I have joy. I, I, God helps me. I think a lot of times, you know, I, 
I really like the fact that I'm a conqueror. That's who God made me. I just don't like conquering stuff, you know? And I think he gives me stuff to conquer to show me that I am who he says that I am. Come on. One of the thoughts I had yesterday, just I'm on this prayer time this time of year, and just the thought hit me that sometimes we've got to surrender who we think we are and receive who he says we are. Now, when we say that, that's a wide shotgun, right? But it's, number one, I don't think God gave this to Toby Slough, and I don't think he gave me mine. But I think if you're out there, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, manic, uh, anxiety disorders of all different kinds, number one, I just want to comfort you and tell you, people say dumb crap. We are famous for saying dumb crap, and I want to say another word. Instead of just saying I'm sorry and holding somebody, and I think that's where Toby and I met. He never made me weird, and I don't talk uh, to a lot of people about my, mine and Leslie struggle with this because I realize people people just don't get it, and we've grown a lot in the last 20, 30 years. Now it's it's becoming safer to come out and have that, but there's still taboo things that are on there. But Toby, I want to talk a little bit, you know, you, you were very successful in all this. It, it feels like the Jenga, you, may, you know, the Jenga game is constantly mm -hmm. falling apart inside of you is what I called it. What would you say, number one, pain does for us and how does it shape us? How did it shape you? And what would you say to somebody sitting here going, I didn't even know what this is. What are some of the practical and tactical steps you would take? Yeah, it does shape you. At first, it turns you into a narcissist. Mm. It really does. Pay. The problem with pain is it makes me all about me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know my wife. And, Love you know, her. I mean, she's unbelievable. With, like when I like I have a bad shoulder right now, I'm about to get some stem cell treatment on to try to avoid surgery. And when it's bad, I don't care about her. I just want my shoulder to quit hurting. And I kind of order my world around what's going to keep my shoulder from hurting. And I think when, when you, I think a lot of times we start with you guys that are battling this, like what's happening to me instead of what, it, what am I becoming in the middle of this? Right. And so like for me, I believe that, look, man, I, generosity is one of my core values. It, you know, Mark's taught me, you've taught me so much about that financially, Mark, and the way you just behind the scenes bless so many people. But it, but it's not limited to money. It for me, it's like I I, I don't want to get on an airplane without encouraging somebody that works on that airplane. And I've watched tears come down their face. Me just going, hey, can I just tell you something? I fly a lot. You're really good at what you do, and I appreciate it. And they cry because they don't hear that from anyone. Well, that comes out of man. I've got to. I've got to be encouraging to others because if not, it's going to be about me at some point when the struggle comes. And so instead of me saying, God, why don't you fix this? It's like, Hey God, what do you want me to become? And he, he's so good at showing you how he'll take your weakness and turn it into a strength in another area. I talk to parents all the time about, the fear of messing up your kids. You know, oh, I'm going to, I messed up my kids. Well, of course you messed up your kids. You're breathing. We all messed up. Grand perfect parents. Yeah. Yeah. Every parent does the best they can. It's not enough. It's, but it's the best we had 
to do with with what we had. For sure. and Jesus makes up the difference. That's a story. But my daughter spent a lot of her high school years praying for me, like in the middle of some of these battles because she knew it was going on. Well, she works for me now. She, uh, you know, like she thought more of me, not less of me because, and I think our, a lot of our relationship was forged out of this, this fire that I was going through. And as she grew and was genetically predispositioned, which is just a smart way of saying she's me in a dress. <laughs> when these, when these battles came for her, guess who the first person she wanted to talk to was? was me. So I want you to know, man, God is working if you're battling right now. God is working. Uh, he's working in spite of all of your false beliefs in the middle of it. Uh, we just don't, we don't see it. We only see it in the rearview mirror. Hmm. It's hard to see it in the moment. And I think that if you're struggling and you're listening and you go, give me one thing. Here it is. Keep going. You just keep walking. You, you you keep believing. You keep opening yourself up to the possibility that God's doing something that you're going to eventually like in a way that you hate right now. Oh, it's you so know? good, though. I want to add to that, you know, just a different way of saying that, you know, and I have to tell myself this a lot. Toby has to tell himself that in our wives, if you don't stop, if you don't quit, you win. Yep. Winning needs to be redefined for us. Winning, you know, we're coming across the, the, the tape and winning <laughs> the trophy. It's like, no, if I don't quit today, I win. And what the Word tells me in a really cool way, hey, my mercies are new every morning. Why? Because I need I need that dope bad. I don't, yeah. I don't need to smoke weed. I don't need to do this. I don't need my whiskey. I more than anything, I need, I need a good old mixture pour of mercy being poured out. So if you're listening, one of the things I would tell you is, Hey, you've got to identify what it is and realize that God loves you and you're not broke. You're not screwed up and you're not messed up. Right. And that really successful people and really unsuccessful people across the board, the rich, the poor. Uh, the famous and the infamous deal with this. It's let me say this. I don't want to break you. No, you know, but, but you're. It's a great lead into, like the number one tool in my toolbox that God's given like me. This. Everybody needs a tool. I didn't need a sermon, dude. I needed a strategy. <laughs> which I'm a pastor. I like to yeah communicate for leave. But it's like I don't need somebody to exhort me. I need someone to like say, hey, do this five minutes a day. And I called the pastors 19, 20 years ago in another state and said, I'm struggling. My, I can't get out of this loop in my, you know, and some of you are going, you're nodding as you hear this because you're like, yeah, you get the loop of an overthinker. Some of you are overthinking, whether you're overthinking, you're overthinking. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, go download the 40 I am's, write them on a index cards and say them out loud. I didn't know what they are. Most people don't. It's just 40 statements through the Bible about who God says that you are. And I, I got went to Walgreens, got index cards, wrote them out by hand, was sitting in my backyard, like throwing them down on the table in anger, saying them out loud. My wife pulls up, she's pulling the back drive and she sees me out there doing it. And she just kind of smiles and nods like, okay, bud, what, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. I have those cards 20 plus years later. They, I, they don't leave my side. They're in my bag right behind us right now. 
Because why? Because I have to remind myself regularly of who God says that I am. Come on. Because pain is a liar. And it, what it does is it starts telling you, see, I have a position in the kingdom, right? I am a conqueror. I, you know, uh, I can do all things, but I have a present condition. My condition right now is I, I feel like I'm losing. And what the world is telling us is when your position doesn't match your condition, lower your position, right? This is what we're hearing. And, and I could, and you know, it's in every aspect of life. Oh, you feel like you're this, then just be that. No, the message of Jesus was let your position begin to affect your condition. Again, 60 years old. I know I, I, I've, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know the Bible, man. I've read the Bible thousands of times. There is not a day that I don't pull out one of those 40 I ands and say it out loud into the mirror. Why? Because it leaks out of all of us. And I, I rewrote them. They were kind of King James's version, you know. And so I wrote them in language that works for me. You put them in a like book. You, it's on my coffee table. Yeah, and we now we now have given out seventy thousand PDF cards of them, you know, copies of them, and we just released free for everybody. By the way, you go to beagobi.com, you can get these for free. There, it's a digital version. They're on my phone every day. The, the one that's on my phone today says, "I am stronger than I feel right now." Like I have more strength than I feel like I have because Romans tells me that. That I'm, you know, I'm filled with the person of Jesus, which means I have more strength than I feel. I, I need to remember that I am not a victim. I'm not. If I feel like one sometimes, but man, I'm all for feeling your feelings, Mark. I don't think you ought to shove them under the carpet. I sure don't think you should wrap them up in some religious lingo or something. But if you let your feelings be the steering wheel of your life, you will end up in the ditch. What, what, what? Rewind it. Say it again. Well, it's, it's you ought to feel your feelings, but you cannot allow your feelings to be the steering wheel of your life. If so, you will always end up in the ditch. That's my translation of there is a way that seems right to man, mm. but in the end it leads to death. In other words... Like, you've got to let what you know control what you feel, not let what you feel control what you know. And when you're having anxiety, panic, depression, you got to fight it with everything within you to go back to. Like, to me, let's go back to who does God say that I am? That's who I am. He's the only one who has the right to define me. Not, not, not a world around me or even my performance doesn't define me he defines me he says no i see this in you the reason you are such a good friend mark to so many people that if i was in trouble you would be on the short list of people i would call is because you continually say you practice what jesus practiced this is who you are i believe in you i'm for you i'm proud of you you need me at two in the morning i'll be there those kind of statements about Speaking of what can be, not what is in that moment, that's like water to a dying plant for all of us. Because we live in a world that says you don't matter, you don't, you know, you don't have enough followers, you're not pretty enough. I've women get in line at these events and tell me about 
their mom's telling them they will always need a man. They're not competent. And and I always are a man. These 35-year-old men break my heart. My dad told me I was a loser. I tell them all the same thing. I'm sorry that happened to you. They're what they told you, they're wrong. They, they didn't tell wrong. you the truth. And and number three, guess what? They don't even get to defy you. God created you. He who does God say that you are? Again, we have to surrender mm-hmm. the perspective and the it's really this internal voice that goes on inside of all of us. If you're a woman, you know, I'm not pretty enough. If you're a man, I don't have what it takes. You know, that's why John Eldridge was groundbreaking, wild at heart, and I always just give him props. I wouldn't have written my book without him. But when I look at you, Toby, you you have been a poster child. I love encouragement, and I say it all the time. You're never going to meet anyone that says, hey, I'm up to here in encouragement. Everyone, you can assume one thing without being an ass. You can assume when you meet people and they're in pain and they need a word of encouragement. And also, I love what you said, Toby, about just the narcissistic side of us. When we get inside these, I worship my emotions, and they became the Lord of my life. If they dictated my turns and gone, and I and you're right, I ended up in the ditches. One thing to be a man or a woman, but a child going trapped and not have the words and the language to say I don't feel normal just rocks me and Toby you're making global impact this book is being translated into Spanish and going global and they can get a copy of it tell us more about that and with the kids well it started we were going to celebrate our 20 year birthday as a church and my little small group of the ones who I really trusted in my inner circle of church all wanted me to write a book about what I had learned over the last 20 years, battling anxiety and depression. Well, who wants to write that book, Mark? <laughs> I mean, who wants to write about, hey, man, I, you know, I want to run into a bridge, and hey, the, here's how the church hurt me. And I didn't want to write that, but Micah said, I think you ought to write it. And as you know, she's management, I'm labor. And so I start writing the book, and I mean, I literally had to stop and, had put it down for weeks. It was just, man, it was, it was in opening up old things and it, but it was not, it's really simple, but I couldn't write the last chapter because the lady who was helping me, the publishing lady said, it has to be good. Well, you know, if somebody tells you something has to be good. Then you think everything's terrible. <laughs> and so one day I'm like, I'm going to write about a salmon fish and my son said, if you do, I'm going to make fun of you the rest of your life. That's the oldest cliche, you know, swimming upstream. Right. So I just Googled, what's another fish like a salmon fish? And I learned about this fish called a goby fish. And it's found off the big island of Hawaii. And it starts in the salt water. And when the tide is right, it starts swimming up this mountain streams off the big island. And when it, but the cool thing, it gets to these waterfalls and it starts hopping from rock to rock, holding on with its mouth. And the way it's able to do that is as it's swimming against the stream, its bottom jaw grows out. I mean, it literally grows out. I mean, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. It's saying, if you want to know how my kingdom works, look at the creation. And I stopped and just cried and thought, well, that's me. Like the very thing that I have been fighting is the very thing God is using to shape me. That's what I wrote in the last chapter of the book. 
and I felt like, okay, I found the words around my heart about this. It's like, I don't like it. I ran from it for a while, but God used it. And so I can say his grace is sufficient for me. His power is showing up in my weakness and not in my strength. Well, we get to the end of the series launching the book, and I, I, I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. So I went back to Google and literally typed in, how do you draw a fish? And I found a seven-minute video on how to draw a cartoon fish. And I sat at the bar, not a bar, Mark, a bar, the bar of my house for six hours with four legal pads and like seven pencils and just start and stop the video and traced and just learned how to draw a fish. <coughs> I called our creative folks and I said, okay, give me five easel boards with those five big, you know, piece of paper on it. I'm going to tell this story. And they said, you can't draw. And I said, yeah, okay, I learned on the internet. Learned on YouTube. Well, what are you calling it? I said, well, the fish is a goby. My name is Toby. Sounds like Jesus. So let's Ooh. let's do it. And so I got up there. Was a, I had no notes. Nothing. And I started telling the story of this little fish that said, number one, you can do hard things because God is with you. So you and I got raised by the don't be a baby generation. Uh, rub some dirt. And that was our dad. Yeah. Rub some dirt on it, son. Put that bone back in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> You know, well, he, what are you like? One of my friends, pastor friends said his dad used to say to him all the time, do I need to get your sister? Is that too hard for you? Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's what we grew up in. Well, today what our kids, they're not growing up in that. They're growing up in the, not don't be a baby. It's, oh, you poor baby. Oh, you poor baby. You've had a tough day. Let me, no, you don't need Stop to go to school. No, I'll go talk to your teacher. We, we are raising the least resilient generation in the history of the world. And it's because you can't have resilience without resistance and we're removing the resistance. So let's tell them not, it's not hard. Yes, it is hard, but you can do hard things because God is with you. Number two though, you have to keep your eyes on the sun. Like you have to get God's perspective on what your, what your challenge is. And if you know who you are, you are a conqueror, you, you know, you can do all things. And you're facing this challenge. It is hard, but but God says this is what you can do. So you're not going to look at you, you look at him, you know, that old thing. And then thirdly, the narcissism thing, it was like help other people along the way. Mm. And so I told the story of this little fish and these two little friends and the church went, oh, you need to write a kid's book. And I went, I didn't want to write an adult's book. Why would I write a kid's book? But two months later or a month later, COVID hit and my daughter-in-law, who she's a talented graphic artist, she's done. She's been a major companies that hire her to do things. Her dream had been to illustrate a kids' book since she was a little girl. Well, we had some time. I said, "I got the story. You want to illustrate it?" And we wrote this little book called Toby the Goby, and it exploded. I mean, we had no idea that this was going to be the Chicago Fire of this generation. We, we had no idea. Everyone wanted it. And I started being seen as a children's guy. I get invited to these huge events to talk to children's pastors. And I'm like, hang on, I'm not a children's guy. What are you talking about? Well, what happened was at the end of 2021, Harvard came out with a study that said this, the number one indicator of a child's mental wellness is the mental wellness of their parent mm -hmm. or primary caregiver. And the lights went off. Oh, I'm going to reach adults by helping them help their kids. That's how adults are going to get this message. 
And so I do these workshops that, where I say, hey, man, if you will come and I will give you five practical things that you can begin to do tomorrow. You only have to do them five days a week for five minutes a day. And I promise you, you will see progress in a month with your kid. You It won't be fixed, but you will see progress. Well, you know, there's 500 in a room. 50 of them might have come if it was for them. 500 come for their kids because their kids are hurting. They don't know what to do. And so this, what I do evolved into just my heart. Look, man, I was seven years old, my first panic attack. I didn't know it, but someone had drowned at the beach. Yeah, I grew up by the beach and dad had told us the story and told me to be careful. And I laid in bed and thought, I wonder what it feels like to drown. And by the end of that, that 30 minutes, I'd convinced myself I was drowning mm -hmm. and I fell asleep that night. Well, did you tell you that? Of course not. I didn't want him to laugh at me. Tell me, don't be a baby. I laid, I just said, God, please don't let me drown. That's what my, I did not know that was going to be for the next 50 years of my life. The number one prayer is going to pray. Not about water, but about panic, anxiety. It feels like you're drowning. And I just wanted, I didn't want kids to feel like I felt, man. Feel like you have nothing and you're a bad boy. You're just not a good boy. If you're a good boy, you wouldn't have these feelings. So then I grow into adulthood, and all I'm hearing is if you would just pray harder, if you just love Jesus more, there's some sin you're not repenting of. There's some demon you let in your life. I'm back being that seven-year-old little boy again. Now we're afraid of God. So, yeah. So I'm going to cut myself off from the only source of hope available to me when I'm battling this thing. I had no idea God was going to give me five grandkids, that the oldest, oldest one is eight, was going to battle this stuff. And when I get a picture from his mama of him with five of those 40 IMs above his bed that he picked up, <laughs> I go, okay, 50 years later, God knew that you were going to have a grandkid that you love so much, your heart explodes. He was going to go through what you went through, and he's going to let you give him what you never got. Mm. And you start understanding that's what legacy is, man. I mean, it's like you help break generational stuff off people you ain't even met yet that God's going to bring in your life, and then your life matters. It becomes, it's not about you and about why this is happening to you. It's about, how, man, how is God going to use this to help somebody else? Look, man, you guys that are struggling and we're going into the holidays, it's like, you don't feel like you have any peace. Peace is not the absence of these issues. It's believing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is good and he wants good stuff in your life. And I don't have to believe anything or know anything other than that to have peace. To know, man, God is good. And he wants, he's not against me, man. He's for me. And he doesn't do it the way I do it. And I tell him all the time, he drives me crazy. <laughs> you know? I do. But he just he just smiles and kind of pats me like, yes, son. He's, he's once good, and peace is deciding. I don't have to have the answer for this. I don't have to know. I, I don't have to prove myself to be right with everybody. Uh, I just have to believe, hey, man, God's good. 
and he wants good for me and what is crappy as this is right now and he's going to bring something good out of it that's what peace is that's what jesus came to bring that's why they call him the prince of peace it's like hey man i'm gonna come show you how much god is for you in fact i'll show you i'll lay face first in the dirt in a garden and say hey don't make me do something this take this away i'll be that guy walking that hall i'll show you that i know what it feels like i'll i'll be i'll get so full of pain and embarrassment and shame uh, that I'll hang on the cross and say, hey, why didn't you leave me? And uh, he didn't leave it. He didn't turn his face from it. That's an old hymn. That's not in the Bible. It's just, I'm, I'm going to feel what you feel. So you can trust me. I, I got good for you. Mm. That's peace, man. I believe that your best days with whatever this illness is, whatever this is causing you to be this depression, your best days are still in front of you because God is for you. Come on. I love it. So, you know, I love Toby. You just are such an encouragement and, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage, I, I love being a prophet of hope, not embarrassed at it. Some people are pastors, evangelists. I like God said, which just means encouragement. And but number one, I want to encourage you. You have been a sweet friend to me. And I don't know if I'd have made it. In some of those times that I felt so confused, Toby, and like drowning in my own cesspool and insecurity and still fight that i i don't know maybe i i have a disorder in that but whatever it is i, I want to thank you and your sweet wife when i see her i just light up i smile i i you would think that she's my real sister because i just smother and kiss her and love on her yeah. they're really cool bailey and ross and watching your family grow and watching you come out of this thing i if no one else says this thank you for going face first in the dirt Thank you for free falling when you let go of the church. Thank you for feeling like, holy crap, I'm writing a kid's book. That's what I'm reduced to. So we thank you for being a torch carrier. That's what I just keep seeing of you. It's like the Olympics. And you're calling it the fourth quarter. I'm just going to call it the Olympics. I see this torch. And you're running like chariots of fire for the joy set before you. God gave you a good pleasure, and you can't help but communicate. So... My my encouragement is to you. Keep going. Keep being you. Keep weeping in the dirt. Keep standing up. Don't quit. For those of you who felt like, holy crap, I didn't think pastors did this. I thought they all walked on water. Is uh, no, no, they're just people. And some of you need to get a heart and just realize they're just people. But I want to look out there and realize there's always hope. There's always hope, and Jesus loves you no matter where you are. People may me be mean to you, but Toby called him, you know, sometimes I, I, I just, I say it this way. Sometimes he feels like a senile old man and until it makes sense to me and I realize, and you're not as senile as I thought you were. It's not being disrespectful for God. It's called relationship. So don't quit. Don't go on. 
I want to end with two things. I want to hear Toby's unbridled life statement or advice for any of us. And then I, I want one of the sweetest pastor, one of the sweetest men to just pray over us. And if you can do that, we'll end on that way. Yeah, my unbridled theme of my life is that his power shows up best in our weakness. And if we, when we embrace our weakness, we're going to have the emotional, spiritual energy to step into our destiny. And I just, I want it. I, I want to encourage you, I want to say it to me, I do not want to waste an ounce of energy on trying to cover a weakness that God says I ought to glory in his power at work in it. You were created to be fully loved, and you can't be fully loved until you're fully known. So I'm going to pray for you. I appreciate the, the, just the honor of being here, and you guys can tell, man, like, there's deep love. I have deep love for Mark, and it's born out of adversity. A brother is born for adversity. That's where our relationship was built, and uh, that's why I want you to find somebody to tell the truth to. Because out of that, that you may find your lifelong brother, sister. But I want to pray for you, especially as we move into the holidays. That uh, the pain that gets amplified in so many people's lives that you would embrace what Jesus has for you. So Father, that's my heart today for us is that uh, that we would believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're good and that you want to bring good into our lives. We don't have to think what's happening to us is good to believe that you're good and to know that uh, I speak peace, the confidence that you are at work in our lives over these folks, I, I, I'm grateful that they have more strength than they think they have, that they have a seat at your table and that they are who you say that they are. And so I pray, Father, you just bless them. I'm praying that freedom would come in new and unexpected ways into their life. Give them someone to speak truth over them, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Toby, before we roll out of here, tell people how to find your book, how to get connected with you. Where do they go? I want to promote this guy because it's, it's worth promoting. Tell us. Yeah, go to beagoby.com. It's B-E-A-G-O-B-Y.com. Everything that we do is there. All of our books are there. I've committed to, I've discovered the limitation of a one-time event. So we we built a, a, a team ministry approach where I, I'm giving people tools once a month. I'm, we're having a monthly webinar. You can join our team, Gobi. It's a minimal cost to be a part. It just helps us keep it going. Absolutely. And we'll give you, we'll walk with you through this process of you helping your child connect to God's power. But you know, again, in it, I'm telling you something. You're going to find God's power in a powerful way. So beagobi.com is the place to go. And uh, we're grateful to get to rest up for a few weeks, be off the road. But then, man, January, we're cranking it out again. So if you follow us on social media, uh, Toby, Toby Slough, or just search on any of the platforms out there. We're, 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 our team is really good about letting people know where we're going to be. And I'd love for you to come. Say, hey, man, I heard, of, heard you on Mark's podcast. I heard you on All Bridled. Just wanted to come and be here today, man. I just want to meet you. I'd love to to 
my only non-negotiable when I go to these events is I want to sign books. And I don't care about signing books. I just want to talk to people. In Ecuador. I says, I'm the greatest conversation. Come on. You come see me. Uh, we'd love to see you in 2024. Come on. I love it. Y'all heard him on the Unbridled Life. Toby, thanks for being here. Hey, pass this on to a friend. Buy a couple of these books. We're coming on Christmas. Buy them for every friend that you know. And let's pass the word on so that we can comfort children and people and parents and give them hope this Christmas. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Life podcast. We know your time is valuable, and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to theunbridledlifepodcast.com and learn more.